Hello everyone! Welcome back to the Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training Podcast. We are your host, I am Masa. Hi everybody, and I am Sean. We hope that you are cuddle up with your animal companions and ready for this exciting episode. Yep, and before we start our episode today, we've got a couple of big announcements to share with you all. And our first is that we have just launched our CALP membership. Yes, we did! And the CALP membership is an online constructional community where we support each other and continue to learn the constructional approach and how to apply it to improve animal training and animal welfare. That's right. And we created this membership because over this past year, we've gotten a wonderful opportunity to get to know a lot of you out there. And we wanted to give you guys something back from all the feedback we've received from people about wanting to learn more about the constructional approach. And this is the place to do that. We've got a beautiful membership program set up where we have a private Facebook group for people to collaborate together. We've got open house sessions. We've got our Cout Lab that we've just recently started. And also members can get 50% off of all of our group classes and webinars. So this is an awesome place to really connect with other people and to help continue learning more about the constructional approach. So if you guys would like to find more information about it, please visit our Facebook page or the link to our website that we'll have in the description. And our next big news is related to one of our group classes we have coming up. That's right. It's called the Introduction to the Science of Behavior Part 1. And we just opened the registration yesterday. And in this group class, we will really explore the basic the fundamentals of the science of behavior. That's right. And this has been so much fun. We, we actually just finished wrapping up yep. one of our first classes for this specific course that we're teaching. And if you guys become members or, uh, or want to spend the $1 to get two free weeks of a trial access to our membership, you'll be able to see this beautiful post by one of the members from our group class. Right, that's beautiful. And they were able to take what they learned inside this class and directly apply it to help a really challenging situation with their family and this particular puppy that they had just rescued. Yep. So please, you know, get that trial membership and hop in there and take a look at that video and make sure to leave a nice comment or share your thoughts on it. And our last news is related to Cout live stream. That's right. <laughs> we started doing Cout live stream from our local animal shelter where we connect with our audience live while we work with the shelter dogs to using construction approach and construction fiction and the audience will see that in action and then question us and then we will Q&A at the end. That's right. It's just a wonderful place to be able to welcome you all to share a little bit of our shelter experience together. That's right. So please join us the next time we have that going on. And you can find the information on those on our Facebook page and also on our website where we'll have a description. So in today's episode, we will continue our conversation with Chase Owens, where he will share another experience of using construction affection in animal shelter. Please enjoy. You know, we saw a lot of crazy outcomes, you know, with these dogs that we worked with. One thing that I stole from your and I's time at the shelter, um, I've been doing here at this one, is when you're in the enclosures working with these dogs and visitors go by and they see this dog <laughs> wrapped up in you, you know, giving kisses and being really sweet and calm. 
like it really does a number on the visitor to, to show them what kind of dog this might be when you take them home. You know, when you look inside yeah, the yeah. enclosure and, and you see a critter that's ripping apart their bed or, you know, jumping, jumping around and barking, you, you have the idea that maybe when I get this dog home, I might have to work on some of this jumping and barking and destructive yeah. behavior. Yeah. And somebody uh, forgot to tell that dog it's a, it's a job interview. That's exactly right. That's a good yeah. analogy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, you know, when we were originally in there, um, and, and there's actually some funny research I've been reading on this that, that says that, you know, when you're in a, a shelter and you're working with dogs, teaching them your basic obedience cues, sit, stay, come, that it, there's actually research out there that says that that's not effective at helping to get dogs adopted. Um, usually yeah. that's not the immediate go-to that is in that job interview. Um, they might get asked or told periodically while in there, you know, by the person to sit or lie down, but, but chances are they're actually just going to be sucked up in the moment of being around this new dog and seeing how that interaction goes. And what they showed in that research was actually teaching the dog how to handle social situations with people they've never met before is actually a much better indicator of the dog getting adopted or not. Yeah. And I mean, all dogs can sit and lie down. That's, that's, right. that's right. That's a, that's, that's from right. Jesus, old Jesusism. Yeah. <laughs> Says you're not teaching yeah. them to sit and lie down. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but you know, the, the funny thing is, is that I don't ever remember having a discussion with you saying, Hey, we're not going to teach the dogs sit, stay and come. It almost seemed like when we fell into constructional affection, by virtue of the contingencies that were now on us with this new procedure and the outcomes that we were getting with the dogs and the way that was reinforcing our behavior, it almost seems like the dogs started shaping us to teach these other, what we might call social behaviors, rather than teaching these cues, sit, stay, and come. Yeah, yeah, you know, and even when we went to work with clients, right, now, you know, having those things on cue in the, are definitely target outcomes for, you know, pet owners. But what was obvious was that these other interactions, um, establishing these other type of calm and polite interactions was going to have more of an impact. And that would set them up to then be able to put these things on cue, right. Rather, rather easily at that point in time. And so, you know, it, it, for us, it, you, we, there's a lot of resources to go out there and teach it, stay, come, lie down. And, and yes, they will, they are something that people want to do, but you also don't want to be sitting over there trying to prompt your dog to sit by telling it to sit 20 times. Right. Right. And so to me, that's what I always say is a lot of the difference is that you're not in some some prompts, some big, big prompts, sit, 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 which can be frustrating on its own or a whole correction episode. It's like you're, you're in a dance where someone is literally stepping on your toes. Right. And you want to be in more of the square dance, which is where everyone's having fun and it looks like everyone's, you know, getting along and then everyone's improving, you know, and that's to me what, 
what constructional affection is. You know, again, it's not uh, nothing. None of this is I'm going to come in and, and wave my wand. Right. But we're teaching, we're helping people be constructional with their own interactions. Cause going back to even the beginning, you know, what Caesar said was right. Something that you do is going to have an effect on the dog's behavior. And so it, it's a little bit of self-control a lot of times because you have your own history with the way you interact with dogs. And so now we're trying to learn something new and be sent in and actually what should reinforce your behavior with, you know, on the program is the, the effect it has on the dog. Right. And so the natural contingencies then take over the efforts and you then are in a square dance. It, it's fun at that time. And by, like we said earlier, it takes twice as long to get off the couch if you have a dog nestled up next <laughs> to you. And so it's a lot better than, than the, the waltzes I used to do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a very good as yeah, social dance. Yeah, it is. It's really interaction-based. Both are interacting each other and creating something new that's improving both so yeah that's that's good yeah and, it, and that was you know we we had read gilbert at that time and he was you know what was important to him is that in, in organizations you might have two departments where you might have a loan department and a sales department and their goals organizational goals might be in conflict and what's important for the larger organizational goals is to align these departments within there align their contingencies and align them with the business um, you know, the, the target business outcomes. And in this case, we were aligning the, what the dog wants with what we want. That's right. right. And so that is where you get into that dance. And, but you then, you, you also have to be sensitive, you know, when you talk about listening to the dog, you're really being sensitive to the, um, the program change and the change of behavior. Mm. And so in doing that, you know, again, it's following the rules laid out in the interaction guidelines and constructional affection. And, we just kept seeing from the, you know, from what we got from the data is that it, it was very effective and um, practical. It was mm. very practical yeah. in these situations, but you know, that, that was, you, you say practical because it happened so fast, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, this is what we, this is the solution of choice because of that. Right. Mm. So in, in that way, it's practical. Yeah. And um and one other thing too um I'm happy you actually brought up talking about matching the shelter's goals. Um yeah, or you know matching goals within a an organization because I actually completely forgot that the time that both of us were really getting heavy in the Gilbert was specifically for the shelter program that we were asked to make at the first shelter we were working at. Um, yep. I don't know if I ever mentioned that to you, Masa, that that was why we actually started reading Gilbert was to make a program for the shelter where we actually helped them pinpoint goals that for them at their shelter re reflected a, a high quality of life for the animals living inside that building and help them establish data collection methods to monitor those pinpoints and, um, that definitely needs to be our next talk. Yeah, that's what I, that was, <laughs> I, that's what I was about to say. This is going to be the next next episode yeah this is really just well there's definitely there's a lot to say about the development of the, the shelter program and um how it was received there and and how the that side of it um you know came about wow. and like you said too there's those stories about you know when we were doing the week of training and they found uh, fluffy yeah. and try to <gasps> 
That was that was yeah. that was fluffy. <laughs> That's where fluffy that, came from. The I mean that I'll never forget that day. <laughs> you know I'll never forget that day. Uh, one of my it, man. Yeah, one of my favorite that we'll talk about when we get there is was was actually working with the supervisor's daughter when she just decided to get interested because the supervisor was like on board but like not really participating. And then when he saw his daughter in there working with these dogs, he was like, "Everybody, come look! Like, see what yeah. she's." <laughs> <laughs> as soon yeah. as he saw his daughter kicking butt, you know, working that, then all of a sudden everybody had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And um, you know, kids in high school could do it, right? And um, they they often got high school kids up there to volunteer that wanted to help and. They went in ways to um, facilitate um, the volunteers in ways that actually improve the quality of life for the dogs they're taking care of. And it was no brainer. That's mm-hmm. right. So, you know, this conversation really gets to the heart of some of the benefits of teaching dogs how to ask for and receive affection from people. However, I want to bring up a somewhat sensitive topic here. And this question, I want to just make sure everybody out there knows that this is not me saying that I don't like clicker training um, or that I think using affection is better. That's definitely not the case. Um, You know, I think these are two different procedures, two different tool sets that are useful under different conditions. But um, Chase, I did want to ask why you think we weren't able to obtain the same results with our clicker training that we managed to get with constructional affection. And, and I, and I like to point out too, that for both of us, you and I, it, it's not like we were brand new trainers at the point when we went into the shelter and started doing our clicker training. We, um, we were both established on our own as clicker trainers and we were working with clients and we had done, you know, plenty of work with different animals, but we did not still, you know, get those outcomes that we managed to get with constructional affection. So, um, I guess my question is, is what factors do you think contributed to that? Well, there are a few. Um, You know, as far as going back to a part of it at the beginning, um, why didn't we get those outcomes sometimes when clicker training? I think it's better than why couldn't we? There are certain occasions, you know, especially in houses where you could, but it requires extra steps, plural, you know, And when we were not even to talk about the extra steps yet, but when we were just doing the clicker training, we weren't completely constructional with the the human animal interaction Mm -hmm. and what those target interactions could look like. Mm -hmm. And um, so we were still focused again on, on just the, the behavior part of the contingency. And it wasn't until we had contacted and experienced the use of affection as a reinforcer that, again, we went back and hit this with, you know, saw it through that social lens, right? right. And said, well, what should these interactions look like? And we then, well, what could they look like? And we went from there. But, you know, going back to, you know, but so then we, at that point in time, what should they look like? Well, going back to the fact that, we say, well, you wouldn't be telling a dog to sit when you come home, right? It wouldn't be a sit, sit, sit. You wouldn't have to say, here I am, sit. <laughs> you know, it would just kind of come up to you and, and sit, right? 
And so that was still one part there about the occasion, right? And then, you know, when we went to what are these calm or polite behaviors that make up these calm, polite interactions, you know, we sit and lie down and you've expanded on it since then, you know, standing was just fine, right? So, and then the last part was, you know, when you say, well, you know, usually when you get, when we used to contact somebody who had excited dog and you say, well, what do you want to happen instead? They say, well, I don't want the dog to jump. Well, and what does that look like? And like Jesus used to say, not jumping, the dog could be over there in a the corner, scared of you, hiding from you, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you want the dog to be doing instead? What can I see? And, you know, further, right? When under these conditions, when I come home, um, blah, 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 you know, dog comes up and sits and well, what is the consequence of that time maintaining it? And well, the interaction that, that, that follows that the dog usually wants when he comes up to you in the first place. Dude. Um, and so once we got to that full pattern, that target, some target patterns or target patterns, we realized that number one, food wasn't involved in the before or after. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then once you go to the, to using clicker training as the procedure, you then have to number one, take the clicker and the food, you have to have to do a stimulus fading procedure, take that out of the occasion. One, and then you have to do some type of adduction process to bring this sitting in contact with um, affection or interactions, mm-hmm. you know, because they're not in the same class of behavior. So we have to do multiple things to number one, get our training to be relevant to that contingency. It was like the same thing is, you know, when I was walking Rocky, right? Well, I said years went by, when we were doing the, uh, when I was doing the correction procedures and nothing, no, no, it, it didn't have any effect when we went out there for, well, when I did clicker training, it had a profound effect. Rocky would stay right there by my side and I could walk circles around cars, figure eights. It was, it worked great. The positive reinforcement was obviously shaping the target behavior. Right. And so it was very successful. But then when I go outside without the clicker and the food, I was back to the same situation I was when I was using lots of stuff. So I still needed to do number one, a, uh, a stimulus fading procedure to a transfer to get us from having that to not having it. And then also to have it be maintained, the walking next to me or at the same pace as me to be maintained by the natural consequences of being on a walk of moving forward and smelling stuff and interacting with whatever else, rather than it being maintained by the food. And that those steps are, are more difficult than, um, you know, talked about. Right. And so that, that was a large part why those methods never, those procedures never go all the way to the target outcomes that we walk through. Number one, they never were made explicit target outcomes to begin with, Yeah, you know, and then number two, there, there's the trouble on it and then go all the way to number three, you remember the dog spit it out. The dogs in the shelter had food. Food was not a potent reinforcer, but interaction, but our interaction was, and we like to be resourceful. Yeah. Right. And so well, sometimes it demanded it. And just like you said earlier, other times when the affection wasn't a reinforcer, you, you go to whatever else might be there. Right. Yeah. And, and boy, you know, that actually reminds me of, of one of the, the, the problems that first actually put us, um, you know, promoted us to, to try and figure out something different to do. Um, like we mentioned earlier, you know, the dogs in the shelter, they're, they're on a, they they don't, they've got a finite amount of time, 
you know, inside the shelter and they often need to be getting out very quickly. If we have, if we don't happen to be there the day that that dog gets brought in, we might have three days maximum to work with that dog before they get hopefully adopted or potentially euthanized. So we had to get fast results. And even the dogs that we were actually able to get some type of outcomes with, with our clicker training, we were never able to get that training to a point where it maintained meaningful or meaningfully with other people that were, that were happening to go by or visit with the dog. Um, even if we managed to give them a piece of food to go into the enclosure with before they had met the dog. Because that was one thing at the shelters. They, you, actually, the visitors often interacted with the dogs inside the enclosures, really big enclosures mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I remember going there and, you know, getting some good progress made, but not anything significant that I felt like was going to really help that dog get adopted and stay adopted. And, um, right. You know, if we are using our clicker training, we not only are going to have to find ourselves getting that quick behavior change, but then also being able to fade that clicker and, and ourselves as stimuli to other people, other, other people's affection. And, um, I remember Jesus, one of the things he was, you know, I remember showing him the footage this one day, you, you actually weren't in the Orca or in, in our personal meeting this day when I was showing him the footage, but I was showing him some footage of me clicker training one of the dogs and I was like, hey, Seuss, I just don't feel like I'm making a huge impact that's going to actually help these dogs get adopted. And I remember he told me, he was like, well, Sean, if you don't feel like you're getting fast enough behavior change using the procedures that you're using, then you better listen to the organisms and figure out what they're telling you and how to make the behavior change faster. And um, that was, and you and I had already been kind of talking about affection at this point and kind of ironing out what it was going to kind of look like. And that was the point where I was like, he's right. Like these guys are talking to us. They are telling us. And for some reason I'm staying here stuck with this procedure. And that was when I'd committed myself. I was like, no, I'm going to just try this. And that was when you and I was pretty soon after you and I both, we were like, let's just do this. Like we, we got something here. Let's just try it. Yeah. And then it becomes, and and, and through that a few times, again, there's a point where, you know, you say you're crazy. You're doing the same things for the, and you want something different to happen, but the same thing keeps happening. And so you can get stuck to procedures and there is something to be said for getting to a point to where you're sensitive to the behavior change and, and you judge the procedure based off of the degree to which it leads you to the target outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a failure to begin with if it doesn't. Right. And, um, it's better if they could do so more efficiently and with less resources. And, and, and boy, and I think it gets easy too to sometimes just blame the dog. You say, oh, you know, that dog's just, you know, they're, they're just crazy or, you know, they're just in a loud place. You know, they're, they're just, it's not a good spot to train. And, and really that, that's, that there might be some piece of truth to that, but really it's actually the procedure that needs to be adjusted rather than the dog. Because like we're, talking about here the dog's actually telling us what's important to them what they want and jesus was right we just needed to, to stop and listen <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's wow. a step in the constructional approach to the data analysis you know? that's right that's right and you gotta adjust the program yeah um, accordingly yeah. Okay, Chase. So, you know, we just want to now, you know, thank you for coming on today, um, you know, and sharing all of your stories and your knowledge with everyone. Um, 
like always, it's always a whole lot of fun hanging out and talking with you. Um, especially concerning, you know, things like, you know, constructional affection and, and also the shelter program, which we touched on just a little bit. And we'll definitely be having you on for to talk about in detail here pretty soon. But uh, thank you for coming on and look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to coming back and looking forward to the next cult conference, you know. So yeah. I appreciate it. And this marks the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you enjoy the conversation with Chase Owens. And please check out our website, caawt.com, or our Facebook page to get more information about the CALP membership and the newly launched group class, the Introduction to the Science of Behavior Part 1, and to join us on the CALP live stream from our local animal shelter. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast or share it with your friend. Feel free to get more information or reach out to us on our website, cout.com or our Facebook page, Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training, Instagram at NPO underbar C-A-A-T-T, or email us at cout.contact at gmail.com. Thank you so much today. We are your host. I am Masa. And I am Sean. Have a wonderful day with your amazing animal companions. <laughs> <laughs>